left, right. Yo, what's up, my friends? Thank you for joining us today. We are talking about the anti-work movement and uh, why nobody wants to work anymore, how they're making money, and, uh, and what businesses are going to do moving forward. Let me know your thoughts. Do you agree with us? Um, why do you think people are stepping away from work? Uh, why do you think there's so many unfilled jobs? And uh, what's going on with the minimum wage situation? Uh, throw your comments in there. Let us know what you're thinking. I'll see you on the other end. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. <laughs> Cheers. 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 Either way, though, we're live. <laughs> um, off to a great start. We're off to a great start. This is Sip Talk, episode 151. My name is Justin DiGiulio out of my basement in New Jersey, joined by James, the Bosnia Boswell philosopher, accountant, referee, and professional bartender. James, welcome. I heard you just pop a beverage. What are you drinking down there? Uh, going back to the old standard, Bush Ice. Bush Ice. I was thinking about making a cocktail with my fancy new ice maker, but I'm cold right now, which... I guess it isn't really helped by drinking a cold beer, but it wouldn't be helped by drinking an even colder cocktail. <laughs> well, um, you're looking slick. You got a nice, uh, nice sweater on. I'm glad you glad you dressed up for tonight's episode. I'm just cold. <laughs> I have a uh, a giant uh, hoodie on that has a this kind of cheesy looking faux fur on the inside. It's very warm, and uh, hopefully, it doesn't look so cheesy on on camera. But uh, but yeah, it's cold up here too. What's the temperature down there in not so sunny South Carolina? Um, probably high forties right now. Ooh, it still gets kind of cold at night right now. Um, but uh, let's let's talk about the topic that like the well, main so topic, and then we'll and then we'll kind of uh, bullshit for a few minutes before we <laughs> hit like the main thing. Well, fair enough. That's usually what happens. So tonight, um, and this is your idea. So we're talking about the Great Resignation and the new anti-work movement. And this is something that I think we've all been uh, somewhat aware of that's been happening over the last uh, 12 months or so. Definitely last summer, uh, this most recent summer, we saw quite a bit of it. Um, and those of you who are watching us live, uh, join us by calling in. There's a link in my Instagram, Justin DiGiulio Instagram uh, profile page. and You can join, you can call in, you can hear us. You can uh, you can add what your thoughts are on the anti-work movement and what's going on with everybody quitting their jobs. Yeah, I'd like to know, especially from the people that are listening, like what your experience has been working since like returning to work after COVID or just like how work is different for you after COVID. What your thoughts are on like what um, whether like you have any sympathy for these employers that are saying that they are having trouble hiring people. Anything about working today as it was as it is compared to like two or three years ago yeah and i have a feeling you and i might have some opposite opinions on this um but we'll get there in a second i just want to say hi i see a few people join i got ronald blondes have more fun bmw claw yancey cherry vanilla welcome guys i see uh some people on tiktok as well so nice to have you guys here so 
right off the bat, obviously I'm in, in Manhattan every day and uh, obviously in, in such a dense place for business, there's a lot of help wanted signs. Uh, and there's been a lot of help wanted signs over the last year. I don't see them going away. And uh, I know a lot of these companies are hurting for employees. Now, what I'm noticing is it's mostly in like the restaurant industry and kind of the low page paid wages industry mm-hmm. is is what you're understanding basically the same thing that these companies that are paying minimum wage and entry level wages are the ones struggling the most with with people quitting and trying to hire yep so why what are these <laughs> here's here's what i'm trying to figure out is the people that are are stepping down from their entry level pay positions what are they doing now for money I would assume that they are able to find employment somewhere else. That right now, for the first time in a very long time, it's the workers who get to command a bit more from the employers. Um, think about here's. Let me ask you this question: um, When you first moved down to South Carolina, when you were looking for work. How many applications did you send out for jobs? I could comfortably say over 80, but probably closer to 200. Okay. So uh, let, let's split the difference and call it 150. Okay. Fair, I'm fine with me. Out of those 150 applications, how many of them did you not hear back from at all? The vast majority of them. Like, like uh, probably I would say 75%. Okay. That's not surprising to me. That's about what I'd expect. Sure. I would say probably between like 70 and 90%, you wouldn't get a response at all. Not even a thanks for your interest, but we're not hiring or thanks for your interest, but you don't seem like the right fit for us. Just no response at all. Correct. So that's pretty shitty, isn't it? Yes, it is. But it was just accepted for the longest time that that's just how things were. Well, it was my understanding there were lots of me and fewer job openings. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm, but, I'm, I'm assuming so. Yeah, it was also the time that was late 2008, probably about the worst time in the last two decades to apply for a job. Yeah, I, I agree. Um Go ahead. But so employers were allowed to kind of do this because the supply of labor was enough that they didn't have to worry about behaving shittily because they weren't being punished for it. And I now I, I was reading an article on, on Slate a couple weeks ago about how a lot of hiring managers are complaining about how after an interview, like they might even offer a position to somebody. And then that person doesn't get back to them. And like, this is super rude. Why is it that candidates like we're offering positions and like they're not even like declining to us? They're just either like accepting the position and not showing up for the first day, or like we send an acceptance letter out to them and they don't even respond. It's like you guys have been treating employer employees like this for twenty years, well, and you have to deal with it for six months, and you make it seem like this 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 huge thing. I want to read this comment real quick from OBCXHH. Many people have started their own businesses. Others just don't want to work. Keep in mind that everyone was lucky to work online. 
and those that lost their jobs are get, in getting back is difficult. So, uh, I would agree with a lot of what he said. I would I'd also agree with a lot. But what you were saying a second ago, and I just wanted to touch with the the comments here. Yeah, um, that's good. And, and uh, blondes have more fun. Uh, mentions about unemployment, and we're we're going to get there in a in a minute too. Yeah, we definitely need to talk about unemployment. But what you said was you have applicants applying for positions and then you have em- employers and not getting back to them and the then applicants you- not getting back to employers no, no no and now you have uh employers interviewing people and offering them positions and that and the applicants are not getting back to them yeah so it started to flip it started to flip now a couple of things that makes me think of like dating uh like online dating you message 86 women and three get back to you that's kind of how that dynamic works so i don't i don't necessarily think it's bad behavior on the employer uh because that the employer is the one that's in demand in that case well not anymore so yeah not so much anymore but i do feel like and this is where blondes have more fun mentions that people are getting lots of unemployment i don't know how long that's going to persist where a lot people, of it's worn off like, where people are no longer desperate for jobs mm-hmm. so but also the new the employees or the people that are seeking jobs who are not they'll get a job offer and they simply don't answer the job offer after the interview uh to me strikes in my mind, a similar chord to just how people behave nowadays. They don't have the common courtesy and respect to, to answer somebody and reply to somebody after they've met them. So this is after the interview. Now, as far as I'm concerned, if an employer gets 140 resumes in a week and they don't get back to the vast majority of that, that's because everybody's understanding that they got 140 resumes. But if, if they set up, 25 interviews and interview 25 people uh you know once you have that meeting you've established a bit of a connection so that's the same idea in my mind as as ghosting somebody that you slept with or you know even been on a date or two now i'm not defending this behavior i think that like when someone communicates with you you have a duty to respond back even if it's saying like thanks for your interest but no thanks well, so like I didn't like that employers never acknowledged applications and didn't even have the decency to like send a rejection or whatever. So I'm not saying that like people now re- like not responding after getting an offer after an interview or something is correct. But what I'm saying is that it's really rich for me to hear employers complain about being treated the same way that they've treated employees for the longest time. Well, maybe not employees, but but potential employees. Uh, okay. And 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 I get where you might get a little smirk out of that because you're like, well, you know, I've been on the receiving end of that for so long, and and it blows. So you know, good good for them, good for the employees. Fuck the again. I'm not defending because I think it's shitty behavior on both sides. But th- for the longest time, workers were told to not complain about it and just say that's the way it is. And now employers are bitching about it, despite them having to- like been the one pitching the message of that's the way it is. Like, it's not a one-way street, guys. Yeah, and 
unfortunately, I think a lot of what's the what's the word I'm looking for, but uh, just kind of professionalism and cordialness has eroded over the last several decades. So whereas you email an employer and they have an automated message that gets back to you and says, hey, we're reviewing applications and either you get one saying you weren't qualified or the original message says if you don't get a response within 72 hours, um, you've not been considered for this. And I think I think those message equally carry the same weight, but at least something's going out acknowledging. Yeah, even yeah, if you get like a confirmation email, it says like, you'll hear back from us within three days or whatever. Otherwise, like you haven't been considered. That's fine. But there's lots of like a lot of of applications don't even give you that. Yeah. And I, as on the employer end of things, I understand, you know, we never had an automated system like that. We just did our best to reach out to every single person who applied, who, you know, for the most part was qualified. Um, You know, we, that meant we, we set up a lot of, initial phone calls because you know it's a real estate position so um real quick i want to respond to blondes have more fun okay um she said kind of going in reverse here she says we can't get employees to show up after they are hired i'd like to know more about what's going on there tell tell me about what industry you work in and and what the the jobs that these people are being hired for are and what they're paying and like i'd like to know more about that and then she also says like a lot of these people were used to the $900 per week and they don't want to have to go back to the 10 to $12 an hour job. And I think there's a lot of truth there um, where some people got effectively a significant raise by being on unemployment with the six, the extra $600 from federal and the states often increasing their unemployment um, compensation due to COVID where people saw that, they they were worth more than what they were being paid before, and so getting used to that level of income made if, gave them the empowerment to just be able to say, you know what, I'm not taking the the eight dollar and fifty cent an hour job anymore. Like I'm worth more than that. And if you have enough people well, that but, say that, then nobody sure. can hire at eight fifty. I I get that, but you know you you have. You had millions on unemployment potentially earning more than they were while they were working. And yep. then, then the unemployment ends. Mm-hmm. Now, how long are they going to say, well, I'm worth more than minimum wage, even though I have very little or just basic entry level experience? How's that going to hold up in, in, a, in a fair market unless all these people band together? Well, part of it is that the minimum wage is way too low. No, yeah, and I, I, I will agree that minimum wage is very low. I actually have uh, some screenshots. I followed this uh, Reddit thread. I, I don't I think it was called the anti-work movement or something like that. Uh, and I took some good screenshots from some posts and comments that I liked in there. But so I, 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 I think get, it's less people saying, like, I, I don't deserve minimum wage. <laughs> it's, it's more like people saying we're minimum wage should be higher, and I, I, I just can't support myself on 850 an hour or nine dollars an hour well, and and that that's so a couple of things because i want to talk you know we have millions of people getting unemployment and the eviction moratorium which in many states and many cities is is still in place um and then you have millions of people quitting their jobs and you also simultaneously have millions of unfilled positions now to say that it must be because 
that people are resigning from work and employers can't find people is because people want more money. Uh, I'm sure that's the case, but I also think Here's the other thing. I, hold on. I also think that we don't have the other market forces like people having to pay their bills and, or they face being homeless as a driving force because there's no repercussions anymore. It's possible. That's going to vary highly from market to market um, in terms of where you live and what what level of governmental support in terms of either eviction moratoriums or extra unemployment. Any of those things are going to really vary locally. So it's hard to say. Um, I think another factor, though, is that working any kind of public facing job and I'm going to talk about like specifically either food and Bev or retail um, post COVID sucks. It's, it's just as, not that I'm saying that those jobs would have been fun before, but as little fun as they were before COVID, they are way less fun now because I, I think we can all agree that like the general public has acted a lot shittier in the last two years than in the preceding two years. And I, also yeah. like I'm still I'm still in favor of people wearing masks when they're in public, but I'm willing to acknowledge that wearing a mask for an extended period of time is uncomfortable and inconvenient. And for a lot of jobs like if you work in the medical field, you kind of signed up and said, I know I'm going to be wearing a mask when I'm around patients, even before COVID, because that's just one of the things that you do. But if you were working in a restaurant or in a store, you weren't wearing a mask before and now you're expected to. That's an added inconvenience that you didn't sign up for that now you have to comply with. So the job itself is far more unpleasant. And so it demands a higher wage to, to come to combat that unpleasantness. And here's one other thing to think about um, when it comes to wages and and like labor supply and demand. Um, and this is something from Karl Marx, which I, one of the things that I think he got really right. Um, you aren't paid what you're worth. You are paid what it costs to replace you. Yeah, you aren't I, paid on the value yeah. you generate. You're paid on how difficult is it for me to find somebody else to do your job. And I would say that's mostly the case throughout throughout most industries because mm -hmm. that's that's what your competition is. It's that dollarly, that dollarly, the hourly <laughs> dollar amount. Uh, you know that that they can get the next person to fill your position in. And uh, and that's why you look at like um, in like pro sports. Like, yeah, those are, it's it's very it's, difficult to. How hard people. is it? Like, how much value do they generate? Is not really the the equation. You look at it and say, somebody like LeBron James, you say, how easy is it for me to find somebody else to do the same kind of work that he does? And the answer is really, really difficult. Which is why he's probably, if you were to go for a new contract today, to be the highest paid player in the NBA, because it's that difficult to replace him. It's not because of the value he generates for the team. But, but yeah, but most of what we're talking about isn't at this high level amount, this high No, dollar. it isn't. But that's it's, just an example of the, like, it's not the value, it's the replacement cost. Sure. But it's, it's oftentimes at this entry level position. 
And uh, Blondes Have More Fun says that she works in the auto industry and we can't get salespeople to come to work after we hire them. And the bonus program is substantial, which to me screams these people don't have repercussions for not working. Well, it also to me screams that if the bonus is substantial, then the base wage might be kind of low. And so it's one where taking a job like that, you have a high ceiling, but you have also a really low floor, which means that taking such a job is risky, especially if you're relatively new to that industry, because you might not be making much, if any, money for a while. Well, but, and what I want to talk about is entry-level jobs and entry-level wages, Mm -hmm. because a position, a sales position is a great position for somebody in an entry-level job market where they have limited experience and limited skills. Because, you know, I, I I was doing a decent amount of thinking last week and after the last podcast about minimum wage. And when you hear somebody saying they can't support themselves or a family on minimum wage, for the most part, minimum wage isn't designed to support a family of three or two. It's designed for the entry-level worker as a stepping stone. And I do believe minimum wage should go up. I think there's a lot of reasons for it to go up. But I don't think it needs to be something where you can live in a three, four bedroom house and drive a 2021 vehicle. I don't think anyone's making the case that like uh, um, that a minimum wage job should allow you to live like a fairly luxurious or affluent lifestyle. But I think minimum wage should allow you to, to be able to afford the basics. And that would be rent in a reasonable apartment and being able to afford reasonable monthly bills like a cell phone and food and well, a, but, a a insurance but, on a car and this is and this is you know maybe where my thinking and yours diverges a little bit on the minimum wage topic is that who's saying if you're 30 years old on minimum wage and you're in high school on minimum wage you're vastly different different living different lives but minimum wage, again, is a entry-level wage, and it's a stepping stone, and it should be seen as a stepping stone. So if you're 30 years old, having your own one-bedroom apartment and a car and paying insurance may not be what minimum wage should afford you. Maybe you need some roommates and a used car or public transportation. And hear me out on this. My thinking about minimum wage is if the living conditions in a homeless shelter aren't perfect you have to remember and and i think living conditions in homeless shelters probably demand some attention and probably need to be brought up a little bit because they're probably pretty bad from what i met i've never been to homeless shelter uh i mean i've dropped off clothes but i've never like even used a bathroom in a homeless shelter i think i'd be like no thank you i'll I'll go somewhere else so i imagine they're probably pretty bad but my thinking is that living in a homeless shelter is one step above living on the street So minimum wage is one step above being unemployed. And it's not a very, it it doesn't need to be a giant step above being unemployed. So the fact that somebody's 30 years old on minimum wage needs to be able to afford a one bedroom apartment and uh, an auto payment and uh, insurance and a cell phone and a Netflix account. Right. But I'm not saying that, 
you should be able to afford all of these luxuries while you're on minimum wage. But I'm not. But I would say I'm not calling those car. luxuries. I'm not calling yeah. those luxuries. But again, a net, like a Netflix having your having your is. own vehicle, having your own vehicle and your own apartment, I, you know, I would say is somewhat of a luxury, especially if you live somewhere. Having depends on where you live. If you're in New York City and the public transit system is great, then you don't need a car. But if you live in a place like Charleston, which does not have a great public transit system, then Having a car is pretty much a necessity if, uh, because like a 15 minute drive for me might be an hour and a half or two hours on a bus. Yeah, I, I get that. I, what, all I'm saying is that, uh, you know, I, uh, I think minimum wage definitely needs to, to, to be brought up, but, uh, but I, I don't think we need to be. And I think a lot of people are challenging minimum wage saying that you can't support, you know, a mother of three. A single mother of three making minimum wage. Unfortunately, that's not really what it's designed for. And, you know, there are oftentimes are other systems out there that, that are available to somebody like that. So here's an interesting point. I want you to think about this. If you've got, if you are working a full-time job and on top of that full-time job, you're also getting government assistance, be it rental assistance, or food stamps, those types of things, right? If you're getting those kinds of assistance, you're not the one who's leeching off the government. It's actually your company that's leeching off the government because they're not paying you enough to be able to afford those things on your own. But but are those things that you need to be able to afford with an entry-level position? Because the person in high school taking this entry-level position doesn't need to support those things. So just because yeah, but the person in high school also probably isn't working full time. Well, and, and well, maybe they, you know, maybe they've just graduated high school. Maybe they're a recent high school graduate with no experience. So if they're just, just graduated somebody... high school, then their needs are the exact same as a thirty-year-old, which is they need shelter and transportation, food, and probably a cell phone. Well, they, but they can oftentimes live with roommates, which will vastly decrease. You and I lived as roommates for a long time. And in the 13 years that I lived in Charleston, I've done probably 11 and 11 to 11 and a half with roommates. And, uh, but even still, like how much does a, how much does an apartment, like a moderately priced apartment in the New York city area cost? What's the lowest you can get? Uh, right now, like a one bedroom, probably minimum about two grand. Okay. So how do you do, let, let's go with the roommate situation. So you're going to need a two bedroom. Well, if you have a one bedroom, one person sleeps in the living room, one person sleeps in the, in the bedroom. That's no, 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 that's not fair. How is that not if you're going to be doing a two bedroom, very, you, make, no, because common. again, no, that, yeah, but that's, that's, that's a reality, but it's not a good reality. But, like, but again, what, what good reality are we looking for when it comes to entry level? What but I'm saying again, is it's, 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 I would say that it's reasonable to expect to be able to have your own bedroom. A two-bed, one-bath for two people sounds reasonable to me. But I disagree with you because I know many, many people. Like I, I deal with students all, all year long that come in and they want to put uh, seven people in a three-bedroom apartment. Right. But that's not that's not how things should be. Just because this is the system that exists doesn't mean that it's good. I, I, I get it. But uh, so don't defend a system that exists for in, in, in a shitty and just saying, well, it's shitty for everybody right now. So, you know what? 
people should just get used to its shittiness. Why not say, this is how it should be, and we can improve it. There are things that because we can of, do. Because of cost on employers. And as, as a, a former employer, I know that you can only stretch so much to pay people even as badly as you want them there. You can only pay them so much. And that when we're saying it doesn't have to be that bad, well, it's not terrible living conditions. And again, we're talking about entry level. And I, I definitely think wages need to come up and there needs to be um, more graduated wages where you know people are getting raises on a regular basis and people have been with the company for six months or 12 months are getting raises and are getting not just monetary compensation, but also compensation in other ways, in time off and uh, sick yeah. days, vacations, healthcare, things like that. Well, and that's part of what we're seeing right now is that the the old wage structure and the old way that raises were done a lot of people are realizing that they can switch jobs even if they stay within the same industry they can switch jobs and make more money just by changing because a new job will pay them more than whatever their raise would have gotten them this year yes but i but i think that if we look at the employment numbers not everybody's making a transfer to a new position. A lot of people are. Um, uh oh, I'm told we have a glitch here. Uh, a lot of people are. No, we're good now. Uh, okay. A lot of people are stepping down from working altogether, which is why it's called the anti-work movement. In addition to the Great Resignation, because a lot of people are trying not to work at all, and that's that's where it gets a little tricky. And that and that's where I think. Well, and that's where my support for it ends, is I still think that anybody who can work should work. But I think that employers owe it to employees to pay them more equitably. Um, and again, I, I don't necessarily see, you know, I think a lot of positions that are entry level and require zero skill and zero experience need to be paying minimum wage. And that minimum wage should come up, but I don't think it needs to come up to a drastically life-altering amount um you know because we're talking about entry level and entry level doesn't mean you're supporting yourself very well and you're and i'm you're not saying supporting yourself I, I guess we're disagreeing on the definition of very well because i i, I think that's possible we're also in different markets we're also you know i'm i'm in yeah. a i'm in a, the new york city market and you're in a the you know, southern states, the the U.S. market. Well, um, yeah, Charleston, no. South Carolina has a much lower cost of living than New York. Not many places have a higher cost of living than New York. Let's be fair. Yeah, yeah. There, there's, there, there's the number of cities that have a higher cost of living than New York. You might be able to list on on two hands, maybe. Yeah. Um, so I want to share some of these. Uh, post that I read today on this uh, this anti work movement thing on the this Reddit. Let me I'll tell you what the name of the Reddit uh, thread is. It's uh, oh, it's just called anti work. Yeah, that's the subreddit. So and getting in. So what I was looking for is it's just everybody talking about quitting and how they're really unhappy with their work conditions. What I was looking for is an answer to what are these people doing for money? And I thought there might've been like, Oh, here's some things that you can do that don't require working nine to five uh, in an hour of searching through the stuff or, you know, less than an hour, but a substantial amount of time. I found nothing about ways to earn money other than just quitting jobs. And there was a lot of people sharing a lot of 
work experiences from really lousy work environments, really lousy managers. Um, I, I think it's more just encouraging people to no longer tolerate shitty behavior by employers because there are better options out there. Because so many people are hiring right now, you can afford to quit your job and find a place that's better fitted for you and pays better. Like a former roommate of mine right now is an assistant manager for a Domino's pizza, makes like 13 bucks an hour, works pretty hard. And it's a, it's a demanding job. It's corporate. So like there's everything he does is tracked. Mm-hmm. So like it, it's, it's not an easy job by any stretch. And about a half mile away, there's a public store that's offering like cashiers sixteen fifty an hour. And I'm not saying that that job's easier, but I think it actually would be easier than being an assistant manager of a Domino's. You got considerably less accountability because all you need to do is make sure that you're ringing things out and that your, your drawer balances at the end of the day. And but, so, that would so, be like a but, uh, 25 or 30% raise for him. And so would why be, wouldn't he take that? That would be a smart move. At the end of the day, what happens is the price of pizzas goes up. Because most restaurants, and here's the thing about these entry-level positions, is that these guys are not paying their employees very much. And the employees are working hard. But restaurants and, and businesses like that work by making such small amount of money on all of the food orders. You know how much that, Domino's Pizza makes per pizza? I have no idea. All right. So you know how, like, what's the like the I, cheapest pizza you can get from Domino's is what, like seven or eight bucks? Yes. Okay. Yeah, you know what? I, you know what their cost in materials go, going into that pizza is? Uh, roughly two or three dollars. About two bucks. Okay. They're making three hundred and fifty percent profits on their cheapest pizza. Well, plus labor. Right. And, so you've got and, labor and overhead and rent, right? And if they're in a place right, like yeah, New York yeah. City, but what I'm saying is that the margins for like Domino's are pretty good because your minimum margin on a pizza is 300%. Well, if, if, so let's say you're making $5 a pizza and you have a New York city location where your rent is $25,000 a month. How many pizzas do you have to sell? Rent would be $25,000 a month. Yeah. If you want a decent location. That would be sell, 5,000 pizzas you need to clear rent. Yeah. And then how many, uh, how many days are you open every month? Let's well, say, 30. Let's say every day. So 30. So you have to sell 166 pizzas a day. Um, just to clear rent. Just to clear rent. So, you know, and, and again, when, when you break things down, like I look at the dollar pizza shops in New York City. I don't know how you can make mo- how you can survive selling dollar slices. I honestly well, have no idea how you do it. Well, I mean, you're you're not paying these guys uh, nineteen bucks an hour, so there's high turnover there. It's a high stress demanding job, and and it doesn't exist. You know, dollar pizza joints don't exist at paying people uh, twenty dollars an hour plus healthcare. Well, I would say that when it comes to things like dollar slices of pizza in New York City, like. That's an unsustainable business model. Sure, but now where are you getting slice for a dollar? You get it nowhere. Yeah. You pay more. Exactly, uh, and that's and that's why I said the price of pizza goes up at Domino's, and that's how we how we came here full circle. Yeah, but Domino's isn't selling it for a dollar slice. 
no, they're, but they're selling it for <laughs> arguably cheaper. <laughs> uh, they're selling it for seven dollars a, a pie. Um, yeah, but it's I, not a full like sixteen or eighteen inch. Like the seven dollar uh, piece yeah. is probably like a twelve okay. inch. Yeah. Um, all right. So I want I wanted to share some of these uh, posts that I saw on this Reddit anti work thread, uh, and just just get your opinion. Anybody who's listening, I'd love to know your opinion on this. Uh, but this one comes from a car wash. It's called Club Car Wash. Has a clean cut appearance requirement. Are you willing to abide by the following standard? Men's hair must be short, off the ear, and above the collar. Men's facial hair should be clean shaven, and sideburns should not pass the earlobe. Women with long hair should wear it in a style that keeps it neat, tidy, and out of their face. All hair must be clean, neat, and if colored, maintained to a natural tone. All tattoos must be covered and not visible. Hoops or other body piercing jewelry through the nose, eyelid, tongue, other visible body parts other than earlobes, and not to include gauges, tunnels, or anything of lightness are not accepted. So this is a pretty strict, almost like mid-century presentation requirement. Yeah, for washing cars. (laughs) Dude, I'll tell you, the car a lot of car washes that I've been to, especially in New York City, when when you let go of the keys to your car, you're like, oh fuck! I, <laughs> I see some right. characters. Like, right I can here. understand those. I, the I can back. understand those presentation and grooming requirements if you're working at like a law firm. Yes, but where you know where do you draw that line? And and is that I don't I didn't even think it's acceptable at all to have requirements like that. Um, you know, we hire mostly independent contractors, so hiring people and then telling them how to dress is strictly prohibited. So for me, it's been, it's been not allowed for a very long time. When I worked in hotels, they, they had um, like presentation and grooming policies for men's facial hair and sideburn length. Yeah. And for women coloring their hair. <laughs> I didn't read the the women's section, uh, but I, I, I do know that it was like for, for like women, it would be like you couldn't have like big hoop earrings or whatever. If you had earrings, they had to be like relatively small. And like women, if you were wearing makeup, it had to be like basically like natural in tone. You couldn't have like crazy colors of makeup. And like they didn't want like men or women that had like unnatural colored hair. And like for men, they wanted men to be like clean cut. So they didn't really specify in terms of like hair length, but like yeah yeah the, but but i can understand it in that context because if you are a front desk agent or a bellman and you're going to be having face-to-face contact with your guests and the hotel has a certain image that it wants to present then like there's a certain image that they would like to have their staff present as but, well but how legal is that because it's completely because, legal well remember hollister used to call their employees models and not whatever other word you would have for an employee. And that way they could dictate what they wore and how they dressed. And also justify their hiring standards based on attractiveness. (laughs) Yeah, basically. So, and uh, I'm pretty sure that got busted. I'm pretty sure that's not the case anymore. Yeah. But there's reasonable limits and like, there's also, there's certainly legal um, requirements to accommodate based on like religion and stuff like that. But like you probably wouldn't be able to regulate that men can only have a certain color hair or that the hair can't exceed like a certain length. But I, I guess like 
again, if it were to be like, if you were to set it at like six or eight inches, you'd probably be okay. But if you're saying men can't have hair longer than one inch, it's, it's all going to be based on reasonableness and also whether or not it's discriminatory to a protected class. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I got another one for you. And this is, uh, also from the, I got, I think I have, uh, like six or seven of these things from what is it called? Uh, Reddit, the Reddit form. Uh, remember if a company says we're like a family here, they don't mean a nice TV family. They mean a normal family where everyone has an undiagnosed mental illness and no one likes each other. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, and, and there's a lot of, a lot of shit being talked right now about work culture and how people behave in the office and people just being miserable being around other people. Well, that goes back to my point about how post COVID a lot of people facing jobs suck. Yeah. And, and that's, that's why I feel like this has catalyzed our way into uh, putting ourselves back into the matrix, back into the simulation, because people don't want to be around other people in person and people don't get along very well. And, and exceedingly we're, we're noticing that these days, you know, as an aside, yeah, this sort of relates. So when I was up in New York last week on Saturday, I was meeting a friend at Stuyvesant Plaza for lunch. She was running a little bit late, so I had some time to kill. So I went to Crossgates. Okay. How busy? Crossgates is a mall in Albany, by the way. It's the biggest mall in Albany. It's the biggest mall in the capital of New York State. Um, so it was like eleven o'clock on a Saturday morning. The Saturday morning after Black Friday. How busy do you think it was? So. Uh, uh, so you would guess it would be very busy, parking lots packed, people really pissed off at each other, running through the stores, lots of bags. Um, but I know the mall, and I've been to the mall in the last two or three years, and I know that the majority of the stores don't have any names that I recognize, and their retail operation is not doing great. So I can imagine that there pro- probably wasn't packed on a day that you would expect it to be packed, and I imagine. It's probably not even as busy as it was on a normal day that you and I would go to the movies when we were kids. Pretty much all correct. Yeah. Yeah. It was like it was I I didn't have any trouble finding a parking spot. There was no problem getting into or out of the mall in terms of like traffic. There weren't that many people inside the mall. All in all, it was kind of a depressing experience. I completely get that. So, so Raj asked, what if the Hasidic Jew wants to work at the car wash with long hair on both sides and a full beard? Well, well, they probably have to accommodate them. They would have to accommodate them um, because that is a protected class by religion or, or race. Uh, But in reality, what they would probably do is they would probably try and find some other pretense for not hiring him. Well, first of all, the Hasidic Jewish guy is not drying cars at the car wash. Also true. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not happening. All right, so next next Reddit forum. Uh, yeah, he's post. too busy dealing with like coordinating where the space laser goes next. <laughs> um, I got that joke, but a lot of other people <laughs> didn't get it. It was a joke, by the way. Uh, I love how I'm too essential to stop working during a pandemic, but not essential enough to have any health care coverage while doing so. Uh, yeah, that's a really good point. Is like we we praised all these essential workers or whatever, but where's their raise? Yeah. Uh, and 
you know, I'm really surprised that people were deemed essential, but then, so everybody else got two or three months off and then certain people didn't get any time off and got no recognition except people hitting pots and pans together out of their windows. Yo, here's another one. Um, so in, in Denmark, do you know how much they pay people that work at McDonald's? Nope. About 20 euros an hour. Holy shit. And so one of the arguments, in fact, an argument that you just made is that if we increase these wages and everything, then the price of the products is going to go up. Right? Very simple economic. uh... Yeah. So you know how much more expensive a Big Mac is in Denmark compared to the United States, where the minimum wage for the workers is almost double what the United States is, if not more than double? I have no idea. Like 30 or 40 cents more. Well, I imagine there may be other factors that go into that. There, well. there might be, but the point that I'm trying to make is that I would happily pay 30 or 40 cents more for a burger if the workers behind the counter were, were paid better. All right. I got, uh, so I got one for you. Uh, this is another uh, anti-work uh, post in, uh, on Reddit. In line of Dunkin' Donuts. So that's why I thought of this one this morning in line at Dunkin Donuts. There was a long line because they were short staffed. The impatient guy in front of me was complaining and berating the employees for being slow and went off about how long he was waiting for his coffee. The lady at the register chimed in uh, saying, I'm doing my best here. If they paid $25 an hour, you get your coffee faster. If you want, I have applications right here. Needless to say, he declined her offer and didn't say another word to her. This is one of my first interactions where the customer was shut down and I think it's spreading. Uh, that's a great response. Like, if you're unhappy with the service time right now, you can start working here. You can, you can be part of the solution, man. So, but, but I don't necessarily know that increasing the minimum wage at a Dunkin Donuts is going to translate into that much better service at the Dunkin' Donuts. It will. I, I, I think you, at best you can scare people into wanting to work better so that they don't lose their jobs because they're getting paid more. But I think having to, you know, serve fifty cars of overweight people donuts and coffee while they're mean to you every single day at five o'clock in the morning gets really old really fast. Whether you're making twenty dollars an hour or twelve dollars an hour. I think that if you increase the wages, a number of things happen. One is that your applicant pool expands. Two, you can expect more of your workers because you're paying them more. And three, people are more willing to stick around for a job where they're being paid fairly or being paid more than they could make at at a competitor because they, they appreciate the wages. So you're going to have less turnover, higher quality workers. You can demand more quality of their work and also higher quality workers because more people are applying for the $20 an hour job than the $9 an hour job. You're having higher quality workers on an assembly line, though. They're just screwing bolts. Are you getting better, better screwed bolts? 
Uh, yeah, because if, if you've got low-quality workers on an assembly line and they miss a lug nut, then your wheel comes off at 50 miles an hour. Wow. <laughs> that would be me who screwed the lug nut. But I don't right, think, but it, like, I don't, but got... I don't think the assembly line where, you know, where people are just screwing, you know, they're doing one job to a certain standard, just like flipping a burger at McDonald's to a certain standard, that quality only goes so far. So I right, don't but think... if you have higher quality staff, like the... You're talking about how you can have low quality staff meeting the minimum standard and high quality staff meeting the minimum standard. I think what we're talking about right now is not having enough staff to be able to meet the minimum standard. And some of the staff that are there can't meet the minimum standard anyways because they're just not very good at their job. And they have no incentive to care because what's the reward? 25 cents an hour on top? That doesn't make a difference. Yeah, and the 25 cent raises. I think. Right, but you know what I'm talking about. I, I do, but no, and I'm I'm not saying that twenty five cent raise isn't a real thing. It is a real thing, and it's a very insulting <laughs> to be called into right. a meeting where you're told you're going to make you're going to make an extra uh, two dollars a shift is is insane. Right. So that's my point: is that if you raise wages, you have you are able to retake the high ground in the bargaining when it comes to hiring for labor because you can demand more because you're offering more. It's the same thing in dating. If you don't shower and gain a whole bunch of weight and like you're not going to be able to command a high price in the dating market, you're not going to have too many people that want to go out to dinner with you. You start working out, you brush your teeth more often and you, you, and you shower once a day, then all of a sudden you're more attractive and people will find you more attractive and you can be more selective in who you choose to date. True, true. Um... All right. This is every time a store makes its cashiers ask for a donation to charity. Uh, this girl, Lamini, says millionaires and multimillion dollar companies be like, we doing our part by asking the poor people to donate to the poor people. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I, I never donate to any of those stores. Uh, I do once in a while, but very seldomly because... I'm just usually not geared towards towards that charity. Um, I don't know. I just just feels funny being asked to, to donate by this big store. Um, but every once in a while I do. So I'm not saying I'm completely against it. All right, get another one. Yeah, so the problem says low quality service on top of being understaffed equals extra shitty service. Thank you for repeating my point problem. <laughs> I agree. Like you pay more people, you'll get better quality service, and you'll have less problems with being understaffed because people want to work with you because you pay. Um, all right. So this is from Kevin Robillard. A very telling thing about American democracy is that the maximum legal campaign donation is indexed to inflation, but the minimum wage is not. Yeah. And I, uh, I think you know, a minimum wage indexed to inflation would make sense. I think that's very fair. Um, yeah, we need to roll that back several, several decades as our starting point. Well, uh, you know, even just if, if we index it at a, you know, a very uh, low point and we start from now moving forward, I think that's a reasonable thing to do. Uh, I'm saying that if you start with the minimum wage at seven seventy-five an hour or whatever it is right now and start indexing it to inflation now, we are starting so far behind that it doesn't matter. We need to start the indexing of inflation to some point deep in the past to get to where we need to be today. Well, I think if we reestablish a new base rate, 
and uh, then index it for inflation after and, that. and then index it yeah but i don't i don't necessarily know it's it, we're going to get anybody to go back and index to a past point and and, and move forward from there uh, all right so this oh, is degong says when do you stop offering more um in terms of as an employer offering better wages well if you stop offering more once you have a staff that is providing the service that you want. Well, what I, but here's where I think a wrench gets thrown in things. Cause yes, that's typically it. But what I think now is that we have another factor affecting the problem. And that's that people think they're worth $900 a week because that's what the state that they live in was paying them while they were doing nothing on unemployment. So they believe that they're worth that, but that was, you know, they're being paid eight or $900 a week because the person that was making 75 grand a year is also getting, and they were formerly making 30 grand a year, but the person making 75 grand a year is also making $800 a week. So they're being, they're being met in the middle, but people aren't being evicted and uh, we're getting unemployment. So I think that that's a factor that comes into play when we're looking at now, there's not just unfilled jobs because wages are low. There's, there's other factors involved as well. So it's, it's, it's not that simple. Um, yeah, and, that's true. Like, and it, Shahira, this is Rama, a... you, you read this comment right here. She says, you go out of business. If you can't hire people, ultimately you do go out of business. So, you know, we're going to see people trying to, to hire and pay more, but, um, yeah. And you're also seeing that like on the anti-work subreddit, you'll see like pictures of work, uh, of like businesses posting notices saying like, we went out of business cause we couldn't hire workers or whatever. And that's celebrated on anti-work. And I look at it as that is either you refuse to pay enough to get people in or your business model wasn't sustainable if you had to pay your workers a living wage. Well, but again, our definition of living wage is, is different because I don't necessarily think an entry-level position requires... I think, that, I think that your experience living in New York City for as long as you you have has jaded you in terms of what are acceptable living conditions. Yes. And I also lived very modestly with roommates earning minimum wage and working, I was working 48 hours a week, not even, you know, for the first couple of years, not even aware that because I was just happy to be working that uh, I was working overtime thinking I was basically making a salary, but it was minimum wage plus overtime every single week. So Iraq was paying you minimum wage. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I think when I was hired, it was like eight dollars an hour or something. But you were working forty-eight hours a week, so you're getting a decent chunk of. You're getting a whole shift of overtime. So uh, I want to read this Humans in New York post because I liked it, and uh, I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> so uh, I grew up in the suburbs. I used to think that I could write a prescription for the poor man, get a job, save your money, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't believe that anymore. I was ignorant to the experiences of poor people. I invite anyone to come and meet the people who live in this neighborhood. Right now, we're surrounded by working poor people. These are people who sell your tools at Sears, fix your roof, take care of your parents, mow your lawns, and serve your meals. They're not getting a living wage. There's no money left to save. There's nothing left if they get sick, nothing left if the car breaks down. And God forbid they make a mistake because there's nothing left to pay fines and fees. When you're down here, the system will continue to kick dirt in your face. You can't pull yourself up 
and there's nothing to grab onto. Why aren't we paying our brothers and sisters enough to live? Do we want them to serve us, but we aren't serving them. And he makes a very compelling argument. I and, agree with him. And I think that, you know, he, it's a it's a man probably about 60 years old in a suburban looking area um, with very small houses. And, you know, my thinking is that there's a good chance he lives in a town where there's a company like Walmart, uh, which has come in, put a lot of companies out of business and they're paying their people minimum wage and not giving them uh, full time and benefits. And a company like Walmart is a an exact like the picture perfect uh, target for somebody to point their aim at at increasing minimum wage and hiring employees. You know, if you have. 120 employees at a store, but nobody's full time. That's fucked up. Yeah, you're, you're and that's all to avoid having to pay additional benefits. Yeah, you don't have to pay benefits. You don't have to pay overtime. You don't have to, you know, you whatever it is. And you're keeping people at 32, 36 hours a week, and skirting around those benefits. Yo, now, it's even it's even screwier than that. I don't know if this still exists, but at, at one point, as part of like new hire training at walmart part of the new hire training was like how to apply for government benefits i but think about that you just got that. hired for like a full-time job and they're immediately telling you we aren't paying you enough to live here's how you apply for government benefits like food stamps or whatever else but, but again this is this, this is a tricky situation because you have a a trillion dollar company not paying people very well well at all on a massive scale Yep. But got to remember, it's not actually. And again, this is why I have mixed feelings about this. A company saying you have no experience, you have nothing on your resume, you're an entry level employee, we're hiring you for an entry level position. We're not going to pay you enough to go get a car, afford insurance, afford a place of your own to live because we don't have to because we can replace you with a, with a high schooler. Um, right. But well, if you're in a situation where you're in your 30s or in your 40s or your 20s or whatever it is and you have kids here are some things that are available to you on top of this business so in one way they're doing the right thing but they're doing the right thing because ultimately they're doing the wrong thing and they're taking advantage of people and and it's a massive massive corporation earning gazillions of dollars and they don't need to be doing that to save pennies on a dollar i look at kind of like a serial killer that offers to pay the funeral expenses of his victims. Um, all right. I got, a, <laughs> I get, I got one last from the, this Reddit uh, thread and it says, what does competitive salary even mean? And the answer to his comment is the salary will be competing against your bills. Anytime I see a company advertise competitive salary to me, that says, it's a shit salary. Well, it, it generally means that there are the same position available for higher salary. They're just, they're competing. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, like, like I thought we had, you know, I think for the most part, we're in the same vein in our feelings on, on, on this, but we definitely come from different markets. And, you know, I recognize the need for there to be lousy jobs. Um, you know, now not necessarily where the workplace conditions make you suffer, but just where you're not being paid that much. Lousy work workplaces and, and shitty workplace conditions, uh, they shouldn't exist anywhere. And 
you know, I attribute that to bad managers um, and, and bad company owners, you know, and some of these guys, you know, don't, don't care for what the work environment's like. And that's, that's not how it should be. Oftentimes it's a, a manager who doesn't get paid that much more than the employees on a total power trip. And, and they're treating people around them that they see every day like shit because they like having that power. Mm-hmm. And if, if you don't think that's a real thing, ask anybody who's been on the subway over the last year, uh, somebody on the opposite side of the subway wearing a mask will scream and make a huge scene uh, about somebody on the opposite side of the subway not wearing a mask. And it's it's this kind of entitlement of power situation where it's none yeah, of their business. But- the etiology of that syndrome is, is a little bit deeper than just power tripping. Sure. Well, no, because that that uh, under no circumstances is that person, you know, they're, they're trying to pull a, a citizen's arrest or more so a citizen's shaming of somebody else. Because Again, you know, there's more going on there than just that, though. Sure. But my, my point, though, is that you give people a little power or the illusion of power and they really take advantage of it. Some uh, people can handle it. Some can't. All right, we just got booted offline. So, oh uh, well, all right. Yeah. Well, thanks for we, joining Sip Talk, everybody. We missed our mark on the on the timing. So I didn't hear the music. No, yeah, uh, I played it in reverse. Actually, that's why I told you it was off when we started. Either way, uh, we're we're past the live mark. So the live guys on uh, Instagram at least don't get to catch this. You guys on TikTok and Facebook, and if you're watching us or listening to us uh, in the podcast on YouTube or the audio podcast platforms. Uh, you just get to hear us discuss how we fucked up the timing this time. Um, either way, uh, it's a good conversation. I, I definitely enjoyed this conversation. And what I want to know is what are these people doing for money who are stepping down from their jobs? It reminds me of the Christmas vacation, Chevy Chase Christmas vacation. You familiar with those movies? I'm aware of their existence. Yeah. And, I haven't uh, seen them. Yeah. And, uh, uh the the main character Clark Griswold's brother-in-law's in town. He's the guy that lives in the trailer, and uh, his wife's talking to Clark Griswold, and he says, "Yeah, well, he's out of work." Uh, and he's like, "Oh, how, what's going on?" And she's like, "Well, he hasn't worked for thirteen years, but he's really holding out for a management position." Yeah. So, the nature of that conversation is is a lot of kind of what I see happening around here. My question is, what are these people doing for the money? Um, you know, and I, I don't know. So on that note, um, we're going to sign off. I'm going to thank Rosh Galeb for manning the helm here on the, uh, Instagram front and sharing your live comments with us. James, thanks for joining us. Always Thursday. We're doing NFTs. That's the plan so far. We'll have a guest on on Thursday. So, uh, make sure you catch us live Thursday at 8 30 PM. Eastern time. Adios. Laters. See ya. All right. That concludes this episode. Thank you very much for joining. If you made it this far, please do me a favor because I would truly greatly, greatly appreciate it. Um, throw a like, a comment, share the podcast. Anything you do uh, certainly helps us out. And if you haven't subscribed already, please click the subscribe button. Again, it uh, helps us grow this podcast. And and from the bottom of my heart, I, uh, I appreciate it. So thank you. And uh, I'll see you guys next time. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.